The text that you are about to hear is by Charles Olavois. To find out more about this Canadian author and his previous books, visit www.charlesolevois.com. This episode is from Goodbye Philippines, a collection of short stories. The book are a fictional construction of exchanges between the author and people living in the Philippines, overseas workers, and Filipino expats. Goodbye Philippines, a podcast collection of short stories by Charles O. Levois. Through Facebook conversations, George, the narrator of Goodbye Philippines, gets glimpses of Filipino lives in the Philippines and among expatriates and overseas foreign workers. As he discovers the sufferings of the younger generation, he is often reminded of the disparity between the deprivations and emotional angst of his youth. On one trip to the Philippines, he is hospitalized in delirium and dependent on local care until he is well enough to fly home. On his return, he shuts everyone out, including Lando, the youth in the Philippines whose college education he paid for. After a long silence, his protege reaches out and the two briefly reunite online. The bond between them is poignant and Lando's longing for a father's substitute is palpable. Will George choose to pull away? Read by Warren Carey and music by Angelico Dayo, executive producer Charles O. Lavoie. Chapter 9 Jack of All Trades The following is an abridged story from Goodbye, Philippines. Whenever someone around her mentioned a particular attitude or idiosyncrasy among her countrymen, George's friend Carmelita used to say, It's part of our culture. This was supposed to be the ultimate justification. He decided to travel to the Philippines to experience what the old woman was always talking about and to flesh out the book he intended to finish during the last months of Carmelita's life. She died in 2015, before he could complete the book. One day he was at home, scrolling through Facebook pages, when a video clip caught his attention. Half a dozen of men were in the middle of a drinking session, their faces were bathed in sweat, and they looked ready to pass out. He heard a man shout, Picture, picture! A boyish-looking man leaned his face toward a drinking buddy, as if to kiss him, and repeated, Picture, picture! George recognized Vince from one of the Igbaras barangays. Vince Kaima was George's barber whenever he was in the Philippines. The operation was performed outdoors with a simple blade and some cold water in a plastic pail for rinsing the newly shaved head. George had heard that the small man in his forties was a carpenter. He cooked at funerals and weddings and was supposedly the best flower arranger in town. The short, skinny guy was never home. He was always working on something for someone. You're always working. You must be happy, George had said at the end of a shaving session on one trip to the Philippines. Vince shook his head. No time to drink, he replied, with a sad expression on his face. Just for fun, George was tempted to ask about his favorite drink, but chose not to. Instead, he asked, Do you raise chickens? 
In reply, Vince pointed at two fighting cocks tethered to a picket beside of his house. The special food for those fighters was more expensive than what normal native chickens are. Like a great number of poor people in his country, Vince was hoping to get rich with his fighting creatures. It was his equivalent to a dream of winning the lottery. On the day of his last shave by Vince, George toured the barangays to say goodbye to friends and acquaintances. He was leaving the Philippines the following day. He stopped at Rosemary Kama's store, which sold feed for fighting cocks. Vince told me yesterday that there's a competition in two weeks, he said, handing her a 100 peso bill. Keep the money for the next time he comes to your store. I will keep the change for next time, Rosemary replied. Why? He will go and buy beer, Rosemary replied, shaking her head, her expression disproving. Really? George asked. He must have money. He says he works too much. He is looking after his niece, Rosemary confided. Her mother is not well. The mother of the child? George asked. No, his mother, Rosemary replied. Her heart. George felt sorry for Vince, who had the body of a malnourished teenager and whose solace was beer when he had enough money to celebrate with friends and neighbors, or the cheaper duba, a local spirit made from the sap of a coconut tree. A stomach twister, George had been told. Rosemary resumed, She went to hospital in the city. She takes medication. Then she added, sighing, It cost a lot of money. How did Vince manage to pay for everything? I lent him the money. How are you related to Vince? George inquired. His mother and my mother's mother are sisters. After he returned to Canada, George stayed in touch with Rosemary through Facebook. One day, while chatting with her, he asked, Is Vince on Facebook? He is illiterate. Another message came in. My uncle was hit by a jeepney. No wonder he drank, George thought. The image of the haggard-looking Vince shouting, Picture! Picture! came back to his mind. In her late thirties, Rosemary had lived abroad. She was direct and not afraid to share her thoughts. After ten years in Singapore working as a live-in maid, cook, nanny, caregiver, and once-a-week car washer, her employer kept her passport and she was not allowed to leave the house. The woman returned to the Philippines to live with her husband and their daughter. She used the money she'd saved from her overseas job to start a business selling a line of products for fighting cocks. Married to a nice man George had heard was somewhat lazy, Rosemary was a jack-of-all-trades. While the carpenter was cutting down trees and sawing boards to build her future shop, she spent all day overseeing his work. When the construction was completed, she hired her baby brother as a sales clerk. The brother had studied nursing in the city but never graduated. An uncle living in the U.S. who had been sponsoring him stopped all the money transfers when he learned that the boy had impregnated his girlfriend. "'How's business?' George asked Rosemary. She replied with a thumbs-up sticker. George felt he had got an empty answer to a vague question. He should have known better by that point. He tried being more specific. Can you name the products you sell? 
proteins, dextrose, vitamins, supplements? Sounds complicated, George interjected. Tito Diego taught me, Rosemary replied. From Banili, George interrupted her. You know him? I've been to his farm, George said proudly. He added, wow, all those chicken pens. He breeds and sells, Rosemary replied. Does Vince make money with his fighting cocks? Nope, Rosemary replied. Can anyone make money at it? Cox breeders. Like your uncle? Yep. While Rosemary ran a business after spending ten years slaving as an overseas worker, others sold things on Facebook. Necklaces and jewelry, vitamins and supplements, reconditioned cell phones and Vuitton accessories, almost new, as one ad claimed. One day, George saw jars of men's and women's skincare products on the timeline of Angeline, a girl he had met a few times over the years. An exemplary student, she had received a scholarship. George knew her parents very well. The young woman was now a high school teacher in her hometown. George messaged her. How is the discipline in the classroom? Some are older than me, Angeline replied. Do you have troublemakers? Less here. Uncertain about what Angeline meant, George moved to another topic. Tell me about the products you're selling. The products of Tea World are all plant-based. Wow, George typed. Are you familiar with Tea World? Angeline asked. Nope. It's a networking. Selling of products. Do you know someone who'd like to have business? As the oldest in the family, Angeline was helping her hard-working parents, who wanted the best for their three girls and one boy. Like Vince and Rosemary, who lived in the same town, the poorly paid teacher was doing her best to survive in a country where a minority of individuals and families who held all the power and most of the resources dictated what millions of Filipinos would be left to fight over. No, sorry, George replied. Regards to your parents. One day, George received a friend request from someone named Alvin Hito. He looked at the profile picture, a strong-looking man with dark skin. George clicked on the Accept button. He then messaged, Are you related to Rosalie Helassen? Cousin, his brand-new Facebook friend replied. We met at her parents' house during the Barangay Festival in 2016, George wrote. Hi. Are you a soldier? George asked. Why? You told me about fighting the terrorists up in the mountain. When are you here? Alvin asked. I don't know when I'll be back in Igbaras, George replied. If you need security, I'm just here. I feel safe when I'm in Igbaras, George quickly replied. I'm a friend of Tito Jr. and the family. In that town, people know who I am. George's attempt to alleviate Alvin's concerns had no effect. The Filipino warned George against traveling alone in jeepneys or tricycles or talking on the phone when walking in the street. He concluded with, Don't wear jewels. But I'm not rich, George said. He refrained from adding the reminder that Panay Island was completely different from Mindanao where foreign investors in the mining industry had been kidnapped for ransom. He suddenly remembered, 
Did you know that Tito Jr. had his credit card stolen the last time he was in the Philippines? Pickpockets, Alvin commented. Can I ask a favor? George cringed. By now he knew that the word favor often meant a request for help. Wondering whether his new Facebook friend would ask for money to buy a new phone for himself or medication for a sick parent, he wrote, What? Could you give me two of your luckiest number from one to forty-nine? Why? George asked, taken aback. Just asking. I don't have any lucky numbers, George replied. Then he changed his mind. I would say eleven. Is that the luckiest you have? Yes. Okay, Alvin replied. He followed with, Tomorrow I video call you, if you are vacant. The misused word made George laugh. A week or two later, George was at the uptown shopping center to meet someone for lunch. Since he was early, he decided to say hello to Rosalie Hillasen, who worked in a flower shop in the mall. The plump woman greeted him with a brilliant smile. Long time no see, she said loudly. She was in the middle of building a bouquet with a variety of flowers laid on the counter. As she turned away to get some green leafy material from the cooler behind her, she asked, When are you going to the Philippines? Like others in the community, Rosalie was under the impression that George's life consisted of spending time in the Philippines or planning his next trip back there. Not now. I'm working with my editor and need to focus on that, George replied. He then remembered his recent exchange with Rosalie's relative. Is Alvin a soldier? No, Rosalie said, shaking her head. Did he say that? A security guard, George asked. What? Rosalie asked in disbelief. Then she added, He drives the barangay captain when he wants to go to the city. What does he actually do for a living? George asked. He gambles, Rosalie replied with a smile. Then in a more serious tone, she added, He looks after the house when Uncle Ed and Auntie Josie are in Canada. He's a handsome man. He can do that too, Rosalie burst into laughter. What do you mean? Nothing, Rosalie said. Then she asked, Can you come for dinner on Saturday? I will call you. Thank you. Can I bring anything? George asked. Rosalie frowned and simply shook her head. A customer was walking in. George left after a speedy thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Goodbye Philippines. Here are some questions from the author, and here are some thoughts to ponder. 1. Does selling products online bring in enough money to live on? Do you buy if the seller is a relative or an acquaintance? 2. Can foreign tourists feel safe in the Philippines? Are there places in the country they should not visit if they are traveling alone? 3. Do you have relatives working abroad who send a percentage of their salary back to your family on a regular basis? What do you or your parents use the money for? What happens if the overseas relative gets sick and cannot work? Has this ever happened? We'd love to hear from you. 
To share your thoughts and your answers to the questions, email charlesolavois at gmail.com. Want to receive updates about future episodes of Goodbye Philippines? Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Also, feel free to share the link to this episode with your friends and on social media. If you love Goodbye Philippines, check out www.charlesolavois.com for info on Charles's other published works. A link is provided in the description. Until next time.